Welcome to the Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Better Than Rich Show. I'm your host, Andrew Biggs, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Abramowitz. Mike, how are you today? Feeling good. It's sunny here in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, where I'm streaming live from today. So That's it's, right. Uh, it's a great day. Doing a little traveling, and, and you have a ski trip or something coming up this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, so we made our way up to Jacksonville uh, with James's first road trip. We made it here to uh, wow. Grandma's house. So uh, it was about a four-hour drive, made it here, and then I fly out tomorrow morning for uh, a boys' weekend in, in the mountains in Denver and uh, going to Ski Vale and have a good time. So we'll Fair. miss you. Fantastic. Yeah, I wish I could make it out, but uh, maybe, maybe next time. Uh, well, we'll have, a, have fun. And uh, today, I'm super excited to unpack this topic. You know, we've been really diving deep on various different uh, business-related topics, uh, you know, talking about systemization and how to optimize the user experience and all these things. And today, we wanted to hit on the other side of, of what it means to be better than rich, and that is really about how to live a fulfilled life, right? Not just a successful life. Um, because we want you to be rich, right? Everyone listening, uh, hear us loud and clear. We want you to be rich, but we also want you to be better than rich. And so today, we're going to kind of talk about what that means a little bit. And we're going to talk about the power of congruency. Um, and what is congruency? Why does it matter? And how can you live it in your daily life? Mike, when we bring up the topic of congruency, I know you were fired up when uh, I threw this topic out there as a potential one for us. Um, why are you so excited to, to talk about congruency? And uh, how do you even define congruency? What is it? Well, kick us off. Well, the reason why I'm excited is because when I brought it up, I was like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm going to be talking about congruency. And they're like, what the hell is that? Uh, I think that's that's a perfect reason why we need to talk about it is sure. it's, it's, it's unspoken uh, or unknown uh, to to some people in the public space. But I was recently having a conversation with one of my new clients about the four tools of influence, the rapport, questions, state management, and number four is personal congruency, meaning that I believe you benefit more than me when, when we're talking about interaction with a product or service. So rapport, questions state management, personal congruency, meaning you benefit more than me. So under that umbrella of having this internal conviction of personal congruency that I'm aligned with my product or service, that's what it comes in in an influential standpoint. What it means when you have personal congruency with yourself, it's really my values and my actions are very much in a line or also known as congruent. So what I say and what I do are 100% aligned or congruent. And that's what personal congruency is to me. And that's why I'm really excited about jamming on that today because I think too often people um, say one thing but do something else. I don't know if you are uh, in agreement with that where we witness that in places around us, but uh, many people live in the opposite of congruency, which I would call hypocrisy. And uh, they live more of a more of that type of lifestyle. So I think it's a valid uh, place to start. Right. And and so where I come in and I, on this is like, okay, yeah, congruency versus hypocrisy, right? It's a very uh, a stark contrast. Congruency is doing what you say you're going to do. It's following through on your word. 
Um, it's living a life that's in accordance with your beliefs. Uh, the old question of, you know, who are you when no one's watching um, is a really, really important one. And to be frank, what I notice a lot of times is it's the difference between somebody kind of experiencing um, a mild bit of success and experiencing a uh, huge success. It's the difference between somebody um, kind of scraping by, uh, not just financially uh, and, and success-wise, career-wise, but just mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, really feeling like they're happy and fulfilled. Um, you know, Are they feeling that way? They're probably living a congruent life. Their values and their actions are probably aligned. And you know, if you're not doing that, you're going to feel like a hypocrite. And when you feel like a hypocrite, you can't help but kind of hate yourself. And by the way, you know, Mike's bringing up you know this idea of congruency versus hypocrisy, and uh, certainly uh, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy out there um, in the marketplace, in the world in general. But I would also say. At times, I feel like I'm a hypocrite, right? At times, I'm not always living up to what I think is my my highest values. And so uh, I also want to help the audience understand that like, you're not in either camp, like one or the other. You're going to kind of fluctuate from like being super congruent and on it and kind of being off. And then, but when you find yourself off, how do you bring yourself back, right? How do you rectify the wrong that you've made and the mistake and the misstep um, and maybe the veil that's been kind of pulled over your eyes. So these are all very interesting topics um, that I'm excited to pitch and catch. What comes up for you, Mike? Yeah. And when you say that, it's uh, I think about the, the art of recovery. I think the art of recovery is important that if you if you do find yourself re- reaping the consequences of living through the lens of hypocrisy for a moment, which we, you know, we, we have the con- we have the ability uh, of having conscious choice, and sometimes we don't choose the correct option in the drop-down menu. And then if we choose the one with the higher level of consequence, then we got to kind of reap what we sowed. And how do we recover from that? And 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 I think having also a drop-down menu of recovery, like the ego might not want to apologize. The ego might not want to you know, experience damage control, or they might like say, well, you deal with it. Even though I messed up, you have to pay the, pay the price. And sometimes that's, you know, that's not what leaders do. That's not what, that's not why we run this podcast. That's not what better than rich means. If we really want to be leaders of our life and live in in incongruency, we need to know and own. It's like, "Mm, I'm better than that. You know, that, mm. I, I, I chose the I chose the wrong drop down menu on that one. It's like, ah, uh, how can I make this right? You know, it might not be perfect, but how can I at least make it right? Mm. Absolutely. I mean, reconciliation, right, as a, as a starting point, when you find yourself not living up to your values, not living up to your standards, um, you know, is a really, really useful tool. Uh, and maybe that looks like, um, you know, publicly going to somebody and uh, and being reconciled to them and apologizing. Hey, I've been a little off the last few months. You know, I just wanted to I just wanted to be honest about that and and transparent with you and just say I'm I'm committed to doing better. Now, by the way, don't say you're committed to be doing better if you're not, right? I've also seen that where it's like someone has this like one moment of realization that they've been acting hypocritical, uh hypocritically. They go to their team or something at a team meeting and they're like, 
guys, I'm going to step up. I'm going to change. I'm going to make a difference. And, uh, you know, the team's like, wow, that was really humble and inspiring the way, uh, you know, uh, our leader showed up today and, and was transparent about the challenges they're, they're having mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And then like a week later, they're right back to who they were. Right. And it's like, the team's like, didn't he say, didn't she say that they were going to turn a new leaf? So these are all examples of, you know, um, what congruency looks like. Um, you know, and, and the truth is guys, like, you know, the marketplace has a, has a, a really good, you know, pardon my French, but a bullshit detector. Right. And, uh, I think people are super intuitive. They're way more, way more intuitive than you think. And if you're wondering why don't people want to follow me, why don't people want to learn from me? Why don't people want to buy my stuff, uh, or, or sign up for my coaching packages or, or, um, you know, listen to the leadership that I'm going to provide. You know, the truth is, you know, they they probably shouldn't, right? They probably are uh, catching uh, a little whiff of something that, that just doesn't sit right with them. And they might not even be able to put their finger on what it is, right? But they just feel like, ah, you know what? I just don't fully trust this person. And if the marketplace really is an exchange of trust, right? We need to ask ourselves, how do we build as much trust as possible? And the best way I know how to do that is to be congruent. Uh, and again, I'm not sitting here telling you, uh, you know, I'm perfect at that. But I also think when we do recognize that, you know, being willing to even just admit that is probably a good starting point for building trust. Yeah. What do you think, and, Mike? And, and and you think about our, our, our motto at Better Than Rich, leave today better than you found hmm. it, what that means and what that means to the marketplace and what it means to us. I personally leave today better than I found it. I will catch myself. I was like, I'll give you specific examples. Walking home from the gym and I saw a, a plastic wrapper of... um uh, a water bottles, like a sure, empty sure. pack of water bottles. Saw it on the sidewalk. I knew there was a trash can probably a hundred yards in front of me. And I said to myself, leave today better than you found it. Leave this location better than I found it. I pick up the trash with like my two fingers. Cause it was like wet. It was like kind of gross. And I walked with my two fingers like this, carrying, you know, this trash. And I threw it in the trash can leave today better than you found it. Leave it better than I found it. If I see like a mat at the gym, I'll pick it up and I'll put it away. Uh, leave leave the space better than I found it. And I, I just say this constantly to myself and nobody's watching. It's not because I'm like, let me prove to the world I am awesome. Let me prove to the world what better than rich is. Let me go out there and try to get clients for us. Let me drive traffic to our, uh, our events because I'm going to leave today better than I found it. And everyone watch me. That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is for me to live congruently, to, to do what I believe and to believe what I do and align those actions and beliefs together. And the more I can do that, I hold agreements that I make to myself. And when I hold agreements that I make to myself, that is what's going to anchor in even more congruency, even more actions, even more beliefs. And it's going to create an upward cycle. What's the opposite? The downward cycle. I see the trash on the ground. I don't pick it up. I walk past it. It's like leave today better than I found it sometimes. And then it's like, I see the mat. I don't pick it up. It's sleep today better than I found it sometimes. And then I add this clause of sometimes in, and now it's this cycle of sometimes, 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 sometimes. And now I'm, I'm actually creating momentum in the, in this downward cycle where it's like, it doesn't have to be all the time. I don't have to hold agreements that I keep to myself all the time. And what's the consequences of that? Well, if I don't do that with myself, maybe I start doing it with other people. Maybe I start slipping with you know, my habits or my goals or my behaviors. And then there's even more momentum. So sometimes we, we get into this, this cycle and it, all it is is just a habitual pattern of, am I holding the agreements that I initially made to myself? 
which I believe is where personal congruency lives. So, I, and, and there's so many examples of this. I can jam on, on yeah, I love it. Anything, anything that show for you on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, what you're doing is you're conditioning, right? Um, your identity to be aligned with your values. And, you know, so often, you know, if we think about, you know, identity, what is identity? Identity is who you believe you are, right? And that's, that's kind of foundational. You know, I kind of call it the 10 foundational questions. We have some content called the, the DNA, um, the personal identity DNA helix. And there's 10 questions on the, on the, on this DNA helix. Uh, but one of them is like, what are my values, right? Uh, who am I? Where did I come from? Um, you know, where am I going? So understanding your place in terms of, um, you know, your personal history, how that fits into the collective history, whether that's a family history or it's the collective history of the species, all these different things match into an identity uh, as part of our kind of like core identity content. Um, But values is a huge part of it. And so, you know, what's interesting is, you know, there's kind of an old saying, like, show me a person's bank account and their calendar and I can tell you their values. And, And the whole idea there is that, you know, we can say that our values are Honesty, integrity, family, you know, uh, faith. We could say it's whatever, you know, sounds really good, right? Courage or, or whatever. But how are we actually living? And the truth is, oftentimes when I help people design their values, we come up generally with five core values. I feel like that's a really good number. But then we have to really ask them, okay, how, how much are you living this? And how much has this seeped into your everyday life? How much has it even seeped into how you operate in the business world, right? And how much of this are, are people getting um, this even even in the context of your day-to-day business operations? Um, and the truth is, a lot of times it's not there. So what we have to do is we have to bridge that gap. And so it becomes this thing of saying, okay, today, how can I be as aligned with these values as possible and make the next right decision, make the next right call, Pick up the next piece of trash if I didn't pick up the last one, um, assuming I'm, you know, uh, I feel called to do so. So, um, you know, these are just some more things that you know come up for me is this this sort of conditioning and basically what the the other side is like is like almost like a slow erosion of your character to where you don't, you know, if you just ignore this uh, congruency uh, for a month, two months, six months. Next thing you know, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to be like, who is that guy? Who is that girl? You know, that doesn't look like anything that um, I want to be. Uh, so um, these are just some things that and, I, and that I see. The, and, one, and one of the things on that, Andrew, is that sometimes people, it's not that they intentionally don't want to live congruently with their values. Mm-hmm. It's that they forget what they put down as their values is because they All don't the have time. the constant reminder. This is this is something I was guilty of. You and I had this jam session probably back circa 2017, maybe, and I created my values list. And I remember this conversation specifically where um, you know everyone was talking about what are your values. It was like faith, family, fun. You know, it was like the Fs. It was like all these different Fs. Fitness, like, you know, fitness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 they love that. <laughs> you know, and and it's and it's in theory it sounds really good. And I said, I just not that I don't value my family, not that I don't value these things, but it's like there's something different about what I'm what I'm trying to get accomplished. And what you taught me was values aren't necessarily how you view the world right now. Sometimes values is how you want to view the world with practice. And with intentionality, it's like, how do you, what are the values that you maybe even need to develop further for this year and spend a little bit more time in because you really want them? And I remember this, and that was about 2017. So I, I made it clear. I started writing down my values and 
I, I had this whole giant list of like 200 words to pick from. I picked my top six out of that after going through it. I remember it was abundant life, uh, influential, jovial, so, um, uh, optimistic. So there was there was these really beautiful words. Hmm. And probably six months in, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what the val- I forgot the words I picked because they weren't words I use all the time. It was like jovial. I might have said that word like maybe a dozen times in my life. And now this is one of my core values. I'm going to remember forever. So now it's, you know, for where I'm at and where I've been, it's, it's, it's very simple. You know, my, my mm. core value, influence, faith, fun, courage, love. Uh, you know, these are very simple words that are meaningful to me. So I look at them every day. I got to remind myself, just like if you don't shower a day, you stink. If I don't look at my values for the day, I stink. If I don't journal my goals for the day, I might get distracted. It is this constant reminder of what it is that we want and who we want to become. And if we don't do that, like you just said, there's that erosion that settles mm-hmm. in. Now, the erosion doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen tomorrow. Um, and that's why that recovery, the relationship with recovery is so important. You know, we, we have the accountability group. And uh, I know some of our Better Than Rich clients are in it. And and every day, like today, actually, specifically, one of, one of uh, someone that we're holding accountable to. I don't want to put him on blast, but hold him accountable to it. Uh, his nighttime rituals. And he's like, I want to be held accountable to my nighttime rituals. And last night he said, uh, he woke up this morning, he did his Wim Hof breathing and fell asleep on the couch. And he only did one of his tiny actions daily. So he only did one. And I said, hey, it happens. What's your recovery plan? And his response was, I'm for sure going to hit at least my five tads today. So now we'll see. Is he going to hold true to the, to the, to, the recovery to honoring his word, mm-hmm. doing what he says he's going to do. That's the fun of that's the fun of this. It doesn't have to be so deep, but man, there's consequences if you don't make it intentional. Absolutely, and and you know that individual, you know who you are. Okay, uh, listening to this. Uh, no, the the reality is, you're either putting you know uh, deposits into the I trust myself bank account, or you're putting your you know deposits into you know I don't trust myself. Uh, bank account, and you know, ultimately, what we're trying to do is build up the trust you have in yourself. Because also, also, like, if I'm gonna, you know, especially from a leadership perspective, try to lead people, the biggest question is why should anyone want to follow you? And you know, so often, even in you know, just regular contexts in business, um, it's just the leaders who are living personally their values the most, who uh, are the most admirable and the most that people want to follow. Um, so I want to get a little practical. Um, you know, one of the things that I wrote down um, from a practical sense was just how to like actually take stock of, um, you know, kind of what is your internal relationship to yourself. And you know, there's many methods to do this. Um, one might be journaling, right? Uh, another though might just be deep contemplative thought or meditation. Uh, but you need to ask yourself some serious questions and. One of the things that I kind of said at this last retreat in Mexico um, that kind of got an ooh from the crowd was uh, the best leaders develop an intimate relationship with their conscience. And I think that developing that intimate relationship with your conscience is absolutely critical for living a congruent life and therefore is absolutely critical for living a fulfilled life. But how do you do that? And you know, one thing I would just say is... Um, how often are you actually thinking about your behaviors? How often are you actually even just self-aware to recognize, what did I do today? What did I do that was good? What did I do that was bad? So taking constant stock 
of your behaviors um, and how you actually ended up at them. Uh, were they really, you know, intentional behaviors? Were they kind of automatic behaviors? Uh, did you get triggered early on in the morning from something and therefore the rest of your day just spun out of control? Um, and coming back to that question consistently, what, how did I act today? And was it consistent with my, with my values? Um, you can ask that and, you know, contemplate it. You could ask that in a journal question. Right. Um, what? How have my behaviors been? Have I been congruent with my top five values? You know, today or this week. So, developing that intimate relationship with your conscience is a really good starting point, um, and somewhat kind of allow. Like most people don't want to do that because it can be so convicting. Um, so, because a lot of times it's like, no, you've been acting, you know, uh, completely out of control. You're not. You're you're not living in a value in, in alignment with your values and. You have some shaping up to do, and that can be really convicting, but it's also super rewarding. Uh, so I really want to challenge everybody here today uh, to ask themselves, uh, how close has my relationship with my conscience been, and have I allowed myself to be convicted um, lately? Mike, I know you had some tips about how to bring this practically also, um, not just pers- into your personal life, but also into business, and I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Well, first, to, to double click on what you just said is mm. sometimes we we can't evaluate our actions because we're like, we don't, we're like, oh, I did great. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. So sometimes we need to look at the reactions of others to our actions. Mm. And just by analyzing like, huh, how did they receive my behavior? I felt pretty good, but how is it received? Because sometimes life doesn't respond to intent. We could have intended something and, it, and the intent was great, but it might not have been received the way we wanted to be received. So sometimes looking at the reactions can also be a great um, a great way to keep score on this personal congruency or on this this practical methodology as you're doing some self reflection too. That's so smart, Mike. That's I'm so glad you said that. And and also when you're looking at the reactions, make sure you're not judging other people's reactions, right? And saying, um, well. You know, yeah, I got a negative reaction, but that's just because he's an idiot, right? Or, you know, <laughs> that's just because that person's immature. It's like, no, you know, maybe, but also, you know, look and see, um, especially if a lot of people, right? There's like multiple data points. It's like, you know, everyone is kind of trending in this direction with their reactions. Then it's a you problem, right? It's kind of the classic, like, you know, if someone's been divorced three or four times, like it's not their, you know, their ex's fault. Uh, well, so. Andrew, that's what you've been so, so helpful with me at is, is tapping into this deep curiosity um, mm. because judgment, and you taught me this years ago, is judgment is like that baseline of, of violence. This mm. baseline of violence is judgment. And it's like, we don't want to go into judgment. How can we replace it with curiosity? And you brought that to me years ago and it made a world of a difference for me so if you're if someone's listening to this and says shoot i'm like i kind of judge a good amount i don't intend it i don't mean to but i just do how could they explore curiosity deeply more so than judgment how can they explore um curiosity more than judgment you're putting me on the spot i love it um so i would say as a starting point we always want to just be curious before we're critical. So the concept there is um, always assume that there's something you could have done better. Uh, So that's maybe like a starting point. So if you're getting a particular reaction from people, um, always assume that they're reacting and responding to, um, to something that you're putting out, right? 
And again, communication, to circle back on what you said, um, isn't what you intend to say. It's what's received. So you need to ask yourself, what was received? Sometimes that's in my communication. Sometimes it's somebody has a particular communication receiving style and the delivery method wasn't you know, um, congruent with their way of receiving information. Um, and that also implies that I have ownership, that I am actually responsible for those around me. And I don't think that every single person takes on that responsibility or takes that much ownership over others in their life and how people respond. So would that be a presupposition that everything and everyone that is in my environment, I have the ability to influence or their reaction to how is that? Is that a presupposition here then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I any result that I see, I almost, I almost start with the base assumption that it's my fault, right? Or like it's uh, any problem that I say, like I remember listening to Gary Vee once and he's like, if it's raining outside, I just assume that, you know, it's my fault. And, and it's like, he was joking, of course, but the whole point there is taking 100% ownership for your situation, um, whether that's personally, professionally, uh, what have you. So uh, using that as a starting point is, is uh, really important. And then I think it's just like how do you how do you practice deep exploration? Um, because uh, the, the reality is um, we're constantly uh, that we might think that we are presenting ourselves in a particular way, but ultimately, like our own insecurities, our own idiosyncrasies, our conditioning, all these things, our subconscious mind is oftentimes driving most of our behaviors. Um, and so if you haven't done any work to dig deep on like, all right, like what sort of conditioning did I pick up from my childhood? Um, what sort of limiting beliefs did I pick up? And you've never examined these things. Um, you are, you know, really kind of flying blind to your own, you know, blind spots. And, um, you probably should get somebody to, to help you see what those blind spots are or, you know, hire a therapist or a coach or something to help you unpack that to understand um, these are all my insecurities because every single time I come into a conversation, you know, all my insecurities come with me, right? It's it's not so easily compartmentalized. So doing all of that work, um, you know, is super important so that when you do, are communicating with somebody, uh, you're able to to kind of present as coherently as possible. Instead of a disintegrated, right? Disintegrated identity is like these little compartmentalization boxes, and an integrated identity is, you know, hey, I'm bringing all of me. Sometimes that's, you know, uh, the best parts of me, and also sometimes it's the worst parts of me. But here I am, and take it or leave it. And generally, especially in today's marketplace, people love that authenticity. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody on a sales call yesterday, and. They were like, well, I don't know, you know, should I sign up or not? And I was like, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't, you know. And just being honest, if you if you if you're going to sign up, here's why you would. Honestly, though, it's up to you. Here's what I think I do well. You know, if you go with someone else, here's maybe you know what they might do better. And people appreciate that level of transparency and congruency. So hopefully, this is um, hitting on some points for people that um, that they can take with them and say, whoa, how do I how do I practice this in my daily life? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, just to jam on that. It's actually funny because I was on a sales mm. call. I took the opposite approach. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Tell me. <laughs> so I was on a sales call and they were like, what do you think? Do you think? And I said, 
without a doubt, 100%, definitely, 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 you need to sign up for this. And here's why. And it was like, my personal congruency, coming back to it, was 100%, 110% that it is in their best interest to say yes for them, not for me. And I truly believe that. So right. I'm going to transfer my congruency and my certainty onto the other person. And if I'm 100% certain, then I'm going to help that person kind of get over the over the edge with my certainty because I'm fully congruent with what with what what I'm offering. And in this case, this person I know needs what what I was offering. And 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 I think that um I think many times individuals uh that are having conversations with themselves are neglecting or forgetting what it is that they are offering. Meaning, if I'm having an co- internal conversation with me, it's just me versus me. So therefore, ah, how congruent do I need to be? When the sales call, it's like I can project this personal congruence. I can project that it is in your best interest to buy because blank, 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 and blank. Well, me versus me, it is in Mike's best interest to do Mike's. What the like, what does this mean? That's why if you listen to a couple of our previous episodes, I label the voices in my head. <laughs> and it sounds weird, but it's sometimes it's like the truth has a conversation with Wimpy. And Wimpy is the, is the version of me that tries to protect me. I have also I have Shithead, who is the version of me, who's like the arrogant projection of like the judgment. The judge is Shithead. Wimpy tries to protect me. Then I have the truth. The truth is the sage, right? The, the one who's gone through all this self-help and personal growth. And it's like the truth versus wimpy, right? So it's not me versus me because then that loses context. So it's like the truth versus wimpy, just like if it's me having a conversation with a client. Where's the congruency? What is the belief structure of tr- the truth? And what is the belief structure of wimpy? And when they have a conversation with each other, that's that's I want to have more congruency to the truth than I do with Wimpy because Wimpy protects me too often. Oh, what if you get hurt? Or what if you hurt someone's feelings? Or what if you do that? Or if you go into the cold, what if you get sick? Or if you go to the gym with a sore back, what if you get hurt even more? Or what if like, you know, you, you know you're, you're, the car gets into an accident? Are you sure you want to like, just trying to protect mm-hmm. me constantly? Like, and if I don't, if I don't feed the job, the, if I don't feed the truth, where it's like the truth is, Old is actually really good. Let me feed that. You know, working out and exercise is actually really good. You know, taking risks is actually strengthens strengthens the, my confidence and courage with myself. Mm. So, so it's like feeding that. Matthew McConaughey. I'm, a, I'm, you know, Matthew McConaughey fan. He talks about feeding the two wolves, and this goes mm. back to lots of different you know adages. But it's like you feed the wolf that is love, joy, compassion, courage, or you feed the wolf that is fear, uh, insecure you know, uh, that, that lower energy and both wolves have to eat. It's just, which one are you going to feed? And the more I can feed the wolf that is, is, has the self-serving, hmm. um, positive high frequency emotion and energy. That's, what's going to bring my world. So I don't know. It's just kind of triggered 
uh, a little bit of a rant there, but no, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And of course, that's why you jumped off the balcony in Mexico and, uh, you know, right into the pool. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, I was sitting there like journaling in the morning or I was meditating or something. And like, I hear this massive splash. I'm like, what, what happened? Like, what, how did Mike get down here? And I guess he had jumped off the balcony, uh, in this, uh, this beautiful Airbnb. I, br- we're I at. burned in this, I burned indecisiveness the day before, man. I let That's go right. in the fire indecisiveness. And I had, a, I was like, I kind of want to jump off this thing. It's like, boom, took off the shirt in my underwear. And just <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, so th- like, you know, one of the things that, uh, we were talking about, um, you know, pregame was we were thinking about, how to bring congruency into your business, right? And one thing that um, it's really cool when you do all this personal work uh, and you're able to figure out like, what are my values? How, who am I? How do I want to live? Um, but sometimes people almost have like this, this line between my business self and my personal self, how I show up at home and how I show up at business. Well, I would never want to bring this like loving, compassionate energy into the workplace. Like I'd be taken advantage of, or people would respect me or whatever stories that you might have around that. And so, you know, I I have some thoughts. I'll kick it to you, Mike, here in a second. But one of the things I want to just as a starting point, invite everyone, you know, listening to is that ultimately who we are, uh, really shouldn't change all that much from context to context. Of course, it'll change slightly, right? Because in different positions, um, you know, I'm the leader. In some positions, I'm, you know, the subordinate. In some positions, um, you know, I'm I'm very uh, knowledgeable and wise and I should take lead. In, in other positions, maybe I'm a novice. And so we're, we're constantly sometimes kind of like taking off hats, putting on new ones. We all play different roles, right? I'm a father. I'm a son. Uh, I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a business owner. I have these different roles. In the, uh, but, but ultimately, there's definitely parts of my identity that are not changing throughout. And so as a starting point, uh, if you're listening to this, evaluate your relationship to the different roles in your life and ask yourself, am I kind of like a chameleon? You know, do I kind of hang out over here and I'm one way and then I hang out over here and I'm a very different way? Right? If you ever had like that experience where like two groups of friends, it's like your church friends and then like your drinking friends like meet for the first time and you're like super nervous, like you're probably being a chameleon, right? So it's like understand that we don't want that, right? We want to have congruency in all contexts. And then in the business world, you know, of course we have objectives that we need to hit. Yeah, we have sales numbers we want to we want to get to, but I also want to nourish people's souls that are on my team and help them live congruent lives, help them determine what their values are, help them uh, develop really healthy habits. And what's really cool is when you bring these these um, these learnings that you have on the personal growth side into business and you start teaching it to your team, um, A, their performance gets better, and B, the retention for the team, the morale for the team goes way up. Because they're like, I love working here. I'm learning. I'm growing. And my my uh, my leader really cares about me. And so I really want to encourage, as a starting point, every single person listening to this to bring whatever it is that that is the most congruent version of yourself personally, bring it into the workplace and make sure that people are getting that experience, um, you know, uh, in the workplace. And is it a little bit less like doggy dog cutthroat, you know, sort of... Um, uh, you know, business, uh, classical business teachings. Yes, of course, but also the market's changed and, you know, what people value in the, in the workplace has changed too. So, uh, don't be afraid to bring that, uh, humble, vulnerable, um, personal growth oriented self to the workplace. Mike, what do you think? 
And, and that align, and that that brings up what is the purpose of your workplace in the first place? Like, what mm-hmm. was the reason that you started that enterprise? So, if you have a purpose or a reason or a vision or, or a mission as to why you started your organization, then I would just encourage you to see and explore how can you tie some sort of personal growth element to whatever that mission is. So it, it doesn't matter what that mission is. Like, if if your mission is I want to provide exceptional uh, customer service. Okay. Well, how do you define exceptional customer service? Well, one of the maybe one of the needs of your customers is for you to expose them to some sort of personal growth. <laughs> maybe that is exceptional service, possibly, right? And and where where this comes into play is you must believe that what you're offering to the marketplace adds tremendous value. And I'll say that again, you must believe that whatever it is that you're offering to the marketplace adds tremendous value because the marketplace will respond to whatever problem you are solving. And if you're solving a big problem, then you are going to have to add massive value to the marketplace. So I invite you to really think about that. And I said this again on a previous episode that you know we we I've been selling Cutgo and been in the industry now for 18 years. And when I have a conversation with a new sales rep and I say, if you're just selling them knives because their knives are going to replace, that's a small problem. If you're selling them on the idea of eating healthy and getting the family together and spending more time together, that's a little bit of a larger problem. And people are more likely to spend money on solving the latter, the, the solving the problem of spending more time with my family and being healthy than let me just upgrade my knives. So whatever problem you're solving in the marketplace is um, is is going to determine your value. So you want to add tremendous value to that. When it comes to personal growth in your sales team or for your organization, um, when it when it comes to bringing in this element of vision and mission and and um, and and why we do what we do, well, it's got to start with you. You know, uh, I tied my personal mission into the mission of my business. What is my mission? Mm-hmm. My mission, my personal mission. The purpose of my life is to educate, inspire, and be a force for good for myself and others. The mission of my business, to educate, inspire, and help every representative become, become exceptional individuals. And by making a difference in each representative as an individual and developing ourselves as leaders, we will make a powerful impact in our community. So it's very similar, but the business is a vehicle for my personal mission. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who's, you know, let's say they're like an accountant at, you know, a Fortune 500 company or something. It's a big company. Uh, they have this, this, uh, these values. They want to live that their values and bring the bring that into the workplace. But also, like, they're kind of like, ah, you know, it's not like it's my business. I can't just like come up with a new mission statement. Like, how does someone uh, work this into? Uh, quote unquote, like everyday life, if they feel maybe they aren't uh, like the sole decider, um, if that makes sense. What, do you, what would you say to that? I had this. I had this conversation with a teacher. Um, mm, once good good example. High yeah. Schools. Yeah, I, I had this conversation with one of the high schools, and you know, uh, we were overheard someone else say that it's like, oh, I can't wait till I get my tenure. You know, ten years, and I, I only have to put up with the this so, for so much longer, something like that. And like we overheard it, and. Uh, and it was like one of those one of those curiosities. It's like, yeah, it, it kind of does suck. Like you are restricted to the guidelines and the and the and 
you know, the, the parameters of what mm-hmm. is outside of your control. So it's like, what is, so we, we explored it. Like what is in your control? Like what can you focus on to make this a better experience for you and also for your user, which are the students. And what we came up with is thinking about why we became teachers in the first place. Like that's what I came up with. I, like I'm not a teacher. I, I supported mm-hmm. the teachers, but it's like, if we just got even more clear of why did we become a teacher in the first place? So why did you become an accountant in the first place? Was it because you were good at it? Maybe. Okay. What is it about that? That What is it about what you do? How can you strengthen your meaning behind what you do? Uh, there's a great book, The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. I mean, they were janitors for crying out loud. They cleaned toilets, but it's like, how do you bring even more meaning behind what you do? And you don't have to necessarily translate that to the entire workplace through your words, but you can do that through your through your actions, through how you approach your how you approach your position, because the position again is a vehicle to demonstrate how you choose to lead your life. If you believe that to be the truth. So if I'm speaking to that accountant or that teacher, well, how do you show up in your relationship with yourself? Do you mm. hold the agreement you keep to yourself? How do you show up in your relationship with your significant other? Do you hold the agreement you keep to them? How do you show up as a son? How do you show up as a brother? How do you show up in church? You know, Bobby Lewis wrote a book called The Joy Behind the Headlines. And um, one of the chapters he, he talked was ambition, a chapter of ambition. And, and in that chapter, he talked about the PB&J feeding frenzies in the movement. And, and, and I had the privilege of being honored and, and mentioned and interviewed for that chapter. And one of the things he said is, I brought my kids to this feeding frenzy. My, my, his daughter was, I don't know, probably five years old. He's like, I brought my daughter here because every Sunday we're at church talking about what it means to be a good Christian and what it means to do this. And then she, she rarely ever sees what it is. She just hears about it. And this was an example where we were able to show her what it means hmm. by with action of what it means to go to church. This is what it means to go to church. Handing out those sandwiches is what it means to go to church. And it's like just demonstrating the lessons through the way we lead our lives. And, and we don't, it doesn't matter our position. The position is irrelevant. The position is a vehicle to demonstrate that even further. And if absolutely. you do a hell of a job at it, you'll make, good, you'll make more money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I love what you said, just deepening the meaning behind what you're doing. And I don't care what you do on the other end of this, listening in your car or at the gym right now, wherever you are, you know, I don't care if you are a janitor or you're a CEO of a, of a massive organization. The truth is what you do matters. And when we think about what Better Than Rich is, is really here to do and why we talk about c- concepts, you know, that are somewhat, you know, abstract, like congruency, the, the reason is because, you know, I believe there's an epidemic of meaninglessness, of purposelessness, of disillusionment out there. People, you know, are out there trying to be successful. They don't even really know why uh, they want to be successful. I guess it's just because they saw someone on Instagram tell them that they should be uh, or whatever. And and the reality is there's so much more out there for you um, than some shallow success. And so if there's anything I want to leave you with here today, it's that through the power of congruency, by recognizing that congruency is king and how you do one thing is how you do everything, um, you can start to take steps to finding meaning and purpose in your life. And uh, we really hope that you've gotten a lot of value from this. Mike, uh, closing thoughts before we let everyone go for the day. I invite them to continue to feed your mind. You know, feed your mind with, with um, you, you know, 
any type of um, – I love that you're listening to this show, of course, and, and continue to follow us and, and feed your mind with our, our wisdom. But a lot of our wisdom isn't necessarily from us. Andrew and I are hungry students of life that we've been, we've been learning and reading uh, and, and developing this, this uh, inner, inner self, um, doing a lot of work in that space for a decade and a half to two decades now. So it's not like this is something that just uh, comes to us and we wake up, like we work at it because we mm. read, we listen to podcasts. Like I just listened to Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan show for four hours. Now that was spread out over the course of like a few days at the gym, but you know, just exposing just to the conversation, listening to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Again, gotta gotta throw McConaughey in there. He's a, he's a fantastic <laughs> thought leader, in my opinion. Right? You know, you, you're listening and even, and all inviting even thoughts that aren't you know, aligned with your own to get even curious. I would invite you to be curious on other people's lens, especially with the polarities that are happening right now in the in the world. It's like oftentimes we'll just want to avoid what's different. And, and I, am, I invite you to embrace what's different and learn why, why is their lens of the world different than mine? How, and oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes you'll probably realize what they want is exactly what you want as well. They just have a slightly modified approach on how to get there, but the outcomes are probably fairly similar. And if you start asking those questions of like, what are the outcomes and why do you want those outcomes? Why do you want that? Why would that be important to you? It's probably similar to what you think would be important to you as well. And, and the more you can start seeing that, uh, I, I believe, Andrew, you said in the very beginning that we're all a part of the same, um, uh, you used the word, what was the word of um, like, like network or, you know, collective, connection. Yeah, collective journey. Collective, yeah. collective. Yeah. yeah, that we're all a part of this collective journey together. And, and we all do our own part in that hmm. collective journey. Um, just continue to learn, honor each other, learn about you, learn about your brothers and sisters in the world and, and continue to make your positive change that, that you want to see uh, in others and also in yourself. So that's my closing thoughts. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, remember this week that congruency is king and remember to leave today better than you found it. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Better Than Rich Show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it.